Lauren, you're amazing, and how come I have to go after you? <laughs> what an amazing woman, huh? In extraordinary. See. Not every day starts out or finishes how you would expect, does it? We don't really know what's coming on any given day. And if we probably did, that'd probably be really scary, wouldn't it? Uh, I've probably shared this with you before, but I can remember a day, it was probably about seven or eight years ago, I was living in the US and I was a pastor, but I was also working for a company. And the company I was working for was owned by a follower of Jesus, a lovely guy. And he was quite happy for anybody who wanted to, on the payroll, to meet for the first half hour and just pray. Pray for the company, pray for yourself, pray for whatever you wanted to pray for. And so every day, start work with prayer. And it was really exciting. But on one particular day, I went in there and we were praying and then uh, Matt, who was the owner and another vice president and various people were in the room and we were praying. And, and while people were praying, I kept having this sense that I needed to ask Matt, the owner, about 3.30. <laughs> and I, I, I kind of felt a bit uncomfortable about it. I, I just didn't know. And you've probably experienced something like this before if you prayed. Is it me? or You know what I'm saying? And so each time I'd say, no, I'm not going to bother. I, I, I kept getting this 3.30 thing. I've got to ask him about 3.30. And so eventually kind of we, we, we stopped praying and he's kind of standing there and I looked at him and I said, hey Matt, um, I don't know what this is but I've got to ask you about 3.30. And he, he kind of had that look on his face where I think I'm getting fired. You know, that not a good look, okay. And he really um, is a very sort of calm and gathered guy and he's looking really anxious at this point. And he's kind of a silence for a while. And I'm thinking, what have I done? And um, is there some... And he kind of eventually said, oh. He said, I didn't want to tell anybody about that. He said, I feel really embarrassed. And kind of, I think you'll all think I'm an idiot. Everybody works for him, so nobody thinks he's an idiot, okay. And um, so he's kind of standing there. And he says, well, I guess I've got to tell you. So we're all kind of waiting there, not knowing what he's going to say. And he said, well, I was in bed last night and I was asleep and I, I was woken up from my sleep. And it was 3.30 in the morning, I could see the clock. And then I looked up and he said, look, you guys, I'm not insane there was an angel in the room and it, it, he, he described what this angel looked like and from, from the best of my recollections it was either big and black with Caucasian features or either big and Caucasian with black features I don't know but we're all kind of standing there staring at him he said see why I didn't tell you and and I said oh okay and he said as soon as I saw it I was so scared and I drew back and this, this huge creature in my room was all peace and calm and he went and told me some stuff or something. And we're all kind of standing there going, okay, <laughs> how do you respond to that? And um, 
he, he said, I haven't told any of you guys, but for the last five years, every night before I go to bed, I pray that God would show me an angel. I'm thinking, why? <laughs> but he'd been doing that. And all of a sudden, God had showed him this angel. And he was so scared and embarrassed and didn't know what to say. He wasn't going to say anything. And, and then we're in this prayer meeting. God's prompting me. I'm going, don't bother me. I don't, you know. And, and it's through that prompting that I asked him the question that he revealed that. And all of us in the room were just going, wow, that's, I don't know what to do with that. But the reason I really want to share that with you and the way I've shared it with you is that he didn't want to tell anybody about it. He didn't know what to do with it. And somehow God prompted someone like me to ask him a question. I thought he must have been having a business meeting at 3. I didn't know. And that through that, I saw that, that God had answered his prayer after five years and in this incredibly dramatic way. And what I want us to think about today and what I want us to actually answer is this question. Are we certain that there is a God? And are we certain that that God speaks and works through ordinary people like you and like me and like the guy I used to work for? This whole letter of Luke was actually written, you can see it, kind of written up there it actually says Luke said I've written this this gospel this message about Jesus so that you may know the certainty of the things you've been taught now if you've been around even for a little while or if you've only turned up here for the first time today you would have heard there's a God and you would have heard from me and in other things that God speaks I've spent the last 15 years of my life pretty much Showing people how to actually hear from Jesus. Not just read about him, which we encourage you to do for 20 minutes every day in the Bible. But to actually learn how to listen to him because he's alive and he's well. And I don't want you leaving here unless you're certain about that. Now I can't make you certain, but I can show you the evidence. And the evidence is all here that God speaks to ordinary people like you and me. And not only does he speak to us, he's got a plan for each of our lives. You may have come here wondering, what am I even doing here, let alone what am I doing with my life tomorrow? You know what? God's got a plan for you. And I don't know what your definition of success is, but let me me redefine it. The definition of success is knowing there is a God, he's got a plan for your life and going and doing it. That is success. It's incredible success. Let me introduce to you somebody who is written down in the Bible so we can have more certainty. And his name and his wife's name is Zachariah and Elizabeth. They saw an angel, or he did, like my friend Matt. Same God, different country, different date, same stuff. In Luke 1.5 we read, In the time of Herod, the king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife, Elizabeth, was also a descendant of Aaron. Now that may not make a lot of sense, some of these things like King Herod and um, Zechariah and this priestly thing called Abijah and uh, a descendant of Aaron. But that's a bit like getting your license out these days and handing it to somebody. That's the definition they used to give. Herod was the uh, king 
Um, and he died in about 4 BC. And we know he died not that much after Jesus was born. So basically, this is telling us that we're looking at the year somewhere around 6 or 5 BC. Okay? There's a date. There's a king. He's real. There's lots of things about Herod. We're also told that this guy and his wife were descendants of the original priest who was the brother of a guy in the Old Testament called Moses. Even people that know nothing about Jesus or the Bible know about Moses for whatever reason. You've seen the Ten Commandments, the movie Charlton Heston? Maybe you have, maybe you haven't. But everybody knows about this and this is like a driver's license giving us information because Luke wants us to understand that this is a real guy. He's married, this is when he lived, this is what he was doing and he was a descendant. He would have been a Cohen, which meant he was in a priestly family. Now, if you're thinking being a priest in those days was a really big deal, can I just suggest to you that nobody was after his autograph? You know, seriously, he was kind of like... Let let me put it this way. I tried to do some research last week to work out how many people lived in Jerusalem at this time, and I got about 10 different answers, and it's somewhere between forty to 80,000 people. It's a bit like the size of Launceston, you know, like just short of 100,000, something like that, Okay. Now, when I did the research, I found out there were 18,000 of these guys living in the land. So basically, I was trying to do this thing where I get every fourth person to stand up, divide it by two and add three. No, I'm joking. But what I wanted you to actually see was that if every fourth person stood up here or every second person stood up here, if there was 40,000 people, basically half the room would be standing. So, So this was... A guy, and he was from a priestly family, and he had some responsibilities a couple of times a year, but he was sort of like an every Joe, you know what I'm saying? Just some guy, and everybody knew one of these guys. And so what, what else were we told about him? Probably one of the most important details we're told about he and his wife are the next ones. We're told both of them in verse 6 were righteous in the sight of God, observing all of the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. Now you can read that and think, wow, this guy's perfect you're going to see he's not, okay? Important detail. And this doesn't even mean he's perfect. You know what it means? Could be like you. Could be like how you want to be. Could be like somebody you know. That's just another way of saying he took his faith in God seriously. He, he, he intentionally tried to live a life that really gave glory to God. That's all it's saying about he and his wife. They didn't do it perfectly. Probably made lots of mistakes. But they were serious they, they were certain there was a God, and they were living their life out in that certainty. But you know something else? These were people that lived in the real world. There was a real world 2,000 years ago. When you read the Bible, people like us, okay? And these people are more like us than often we, we, we care to realize at times. They live with a lot of disappointment in life. Now, If you don't know what disappointment in life is, (laughs) I don't know how I'd explain it to you. Life is broken. Okay, I think we all know that. It doesn't work that well. There's some really good things here, but there's a a, a huge amount of brokenness. We talk about a fragile and uncertain world. Well, we live in that world. And and most of us, like, I'm 54. You know what I kind of worked out? I'm not winning the Nobel Prize. You know what I mean? It's probably not going to happen now. Um, A lot of things that I probably thought I'd be doing that I haven't done. But these people were just ordinary people, but they lived with a lot of disappointment. 
And we're told they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive. And they were both very old, which is another way for basically saying um, it's not going to happen. Those days have gone. Okay? And that would be a difficult thing if you want kids. And what a disappointment if you really want to have kids and you find out you can't have kids. There's no IVF. There's none of that. You just don't get them. That's pretty much it. Now, that may not be sounding like the biggest problem in the world. I think for some people, if if it happened to you, it probably feels that way. But there were a lot of implications more than we would realise. Like there was no social security, no Centrelink. Guess what your Centrelink was? A whole lot of kids. You had lots of kids. Hopefully one of them does really well, somebody told me last week at church, and can look after me in my old, old age. I've had that conversation with my children already. Um, but that's, that was social security. That's who looked after you. Guess what? No center link for these guys. And they're getting older and older. But that's not the only problem. In that society at that time, if you couldn't have children, it was looked upon like you had done something wrong. It was not a physical issue. It was considered to be like a moral or a spiritual issue. And so if we just look at the next verse or part of it, which is a little bit about verse 25, Elizabeth later on will refer to this as her disgrace among the people. Can you imagine this couple living their lives, really trying to serve God, and everybody kind of looking at them, you know, with like, oh, that's them. That's those bad people. You see why nobody wanted their autograph? Most of us know what it's like to be shunned or to be left out, and it's, it's not very nice, okay? And it often makes us feel very second class and less than worthwhile. Can I tell you, that's not how God sees us. It's not, God doesn't look that way upon us. We've got a God who we're going to find out as we go in and look. We'll do anything and everything to get close to you and me. How about that? Isn't that it? Isn't that just wonderful? That the God of the universe, who can do anything he likes, is actually really interested in you and me. (laughs) Go figure. But he gets everything right, so it's obviously a good idea. Okay? And so that's how he felt about uh, Elizabeth and um, about Zechariah. So what we're told is he's from this priestly family. And uh, in verse 8 and following, one day when Zechariah's division was on duty and he was serving as a priest before God, he was chosen by Lot. Now, you might think that's by chance, but when things happen by Lot in the Bible, that's God reaching down and pulling out that number. Okay, that's how it works. And according to the custom of the priesthood, to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense... And when the time came for the burning of the incense, all of the assembled worshippers were praying outside. Now, can I just tell you something? You know how often one of these guys would get to do this? Once in a lifetime. And only if it happened by lot. So all of a sudden, this normal Joe, whose life is full of disappointment, and the neighbours are looking at he and his wife funny, like they've done something wrong. And they're getting old, and it's not working out. But all of a sudden, God reaches down and starts to put things in place. Gee, I hope you feel relieved by that. That's the God we've got. And, and, and this is actually how it goes. Can we see it up there, the next one up there? Okay, this is the temple. If you went to Jerusalem today, sitting on Temple Mount, you have the Dome of the Rock, which is the, the Muslim thing. 
before that, this is what was there. And you can see all of these different places. And up to the very... I was going to bring one of those laser pointers, but I forgot it. I know what disappointment is like. Um, And see that, that thing that says holy place up there? Well, that's the really... I mean... That's really special and, and, you know, I don't have a lot of time to explain everything, but God's presence dwelt in there because people had sort of, you know, ticked God off. He was sort of a bit withdrawn from them and, and, and that little place in there, can we see the next one? His, and if you go to you version, I've got these up there so you can have a look at them later, okay, if you're more a picture person than a word person. And see, this is a cutout and, and for once in his life, this guy gets the opportunity to walk up those stairs and see where it says altar of incense? He gets to go in there. He doesn't get to go in the Holy of Holies. Only the high priest gets to go in there once a year. They have to tie something around his waist because if he dies, they can only pull him out. They can't go in there and get him otherwise they'll die themselves. Probably a place you don't want to go, okay? You hear what I'm saying? So all of a sudden, this guy pulled by Lot into this special position mounts the stairs for the first time in his life and the only time in his life. Incredible privilege and because he's getting close to where the very presence of God dwells in this unique place that God has set himself. I mean there's a God but he's done this on earth in a special way. He gets to go in there. Oh it's back of my head, not in there. Um, and, And that's where he gets to go in. And then this is what we read when he goes in there. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him in verse 11 and standing at the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zechariah saw him, he was startled and gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son and you will call him John. This is what happens. It's what happened to my friend, you know. Now, let's just think about angels a little bit because this is what we tend to focus on. Can we see the next slide? That's what we tend to think angels look like. This is what my daughters looked like when they were like five and whatever. Long blonde locks and whatever. You know, if these are God's angels, maybe they can tickle you to death or something. You know what I'm saying? I mean, what are these guys going to do? Actually kill you blowing dandelions in your face? It's, it's, I, this is not the biblical picture of angels. Can we see the next one? Now, that is a biblical picture of an angel. Now, I don't know if any angels have got wings, okay, to be honest. I'm not really sure about that. There's certain creatures that do. Can we see the next one? Now, that is my sort of angel. Okay? And that is more like the... I I was going to superimpose my face on it. I thought you probably think that was really poor. But that is what I look like under these clothing. I wear special clothing to hide my ripped abs. Okay? Sorry, Lord, that was a lie. Um, (laughs) But this is what he sees. I mean, there's this... Little guy, he gets to go in there one day in his life. He just goes in there to, to, to um, you know, burn some incense. And the idea was he'd get down and he'd pray for the nation on that day. And this is what he's doing. But as he's actually doing it, something like this, an angel appears to him. And you probably think that's extraordinary. And I think it's extraordinary. But you know what I think is more extraordinary? That the angel actually says to him, because he's he startled and gripped by fear, That's how normal he is. He's like you and me, right? He really believes in God. Well, many of us do. Some of you are searching. I understand that. But we really believe in God. And when we see these amazing things of God, we go, well, what's going on? Okay? Look at what the angel says to him. That's what I think is more amazing than the angel itself. Your prayer has been heard. When you and I pray... 
they're not just stupid words into the air. They're just not words that if you don't see it the next day, doesn't mean it hasn't registered. This guy has been praying, and we know what he's praying about because it says, your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you were to call him John. Now, if I'm sort of pretty ancient, and all of a sudden I found out I'm having a son, I probably would say, well, I think I prefer superannuation at this time of my life. It's not kind of what he was expecting. But they had prayed, I'm sure, throughout every day, every year, that somehow Elizabeth would miraculously get pregnant and then she got too old and the angel turns up and says, your prayers have been heard. And by the way, you've got to call him John. And when God gives somebody a name, it's for a reason, it's for a purpose. But look at what he says to Zechariah in the following verses. He will be a joy and a delight to you. And many will rejoice because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He will never take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he's born. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. You know what he's saying to Zechariah? We're just not giving you any kid. We've been holding back for years for this one because this is the one, your son, who is going to prepare the way for Jesus and get people ready. What an incredible reason to hold off on prayer because the time just wasn't right yet. That's our God. That is our God. And one of the reasons he's going to get the Holy Spirit from the time of birth is that even when uh, Elizabeth is pregnant in utero um, and, and then Mary, who's the cousin of Elizabeth, is pregnant with Jesus, we actually read in verse 41, when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leapt in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. I mean, basically John's going to be moving in the Spirit as in utero and, and actually talking to Jesus and getting the things ready even when Jesus is in utero. I mean, this is... <laughs> This is extraordinary. But that's our God. Okay? That is our God. Now, this is where you know Zechariah is mega normal. Zechariah asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? You've got an angel before you. (laughs) How can you ask a question like, is this possible? This is where you want to say, Zechariah, are you on drugs? I mean, why would you respond like that? I'm an old man and my wife is well along in years. This is not the conversation you have with an angel that's appeared before you. The only thing you actually say when you see an angel is, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. But I think it's important we see that because the the Bible wants us to understand that the, the people that God is going to work with are actually a lot like you and me. We don't always get it. We don't always respond perfectly. You know, God can give us everything and we can go, well, let me just think about it. You like that? Yeah, I'm like that sometimes. I shouldn't be, but I am. Look at what the angel says. I am Gabriel. I reckon he'd talk like that. I stand in the presence of God and I have been sent to speak to you and tell you the good news. In other words, of course I can do this. I stand in the presence of God. And now you will be silent. And not be able to speak until the day this happens because you did not believe my words, which will continue at the appointed time. You want a sign? You want a sign about my words? My sign to you, will you, you, you won't be able to talk anymore. <laughs> That's my sign. 
I kind of like it. A lot of symmetry there, isn't there? So meanwhile, um, the people were waiting for Zechariah and wondering why he stayed so long in the temple. We know the answer, don't we? And when he came out, he could not speak to them. And they realized he had seen a vision in the temple and he kept making signs. It's kind of like charades. How do you do an angel talk to me and say, my wife's going to get pregnant? Sounds like... I don't know how you do that. But anyway, um, when his time of service was completed, he returned home. And after this, his Elizabeth became pregnant and for five months remained in seclusion. The Lord has done this for me, she said. In these days, he has shown his favor and taken away my disgrace among the people. Be certain there is a God. And be certain that he wants to work with you and through you. And his purpose for your life is to draw you close to himself and to show you his favour. God just wants to bring you close to show you his favour, to take away our disgrace and to lift us up so that we basically will walk in his glory now and for eternity. If you are sitting here and thinking, well, I just don't know. Can I encourage you? Go home and pray. If you pray for an angel and you see one, don't actually ask me to say sorry. (laughs) Okay. But do go and do that. And sit down and take time with your 20 minutes in the chair each day to read the Bible and fill your mind with these things so that you may be certain that these things that I'm teaching, that the Bible is teaching, are actually true. Because God wants us to understand that he is more real than the fake reality we often think is real. Is real. You know what I'm saying? He is more real. And he proves it in people's lives over and over again. And as I've said, I've spent the last 15 years particularly in in really helping people learn how to listen to Jesus and actually experience him, not just intellectually know about him, but experience him because he is real. He's interested in you. He wants to come and be in your life if he's not already. And he wants to give you favour and bless you and lift you up and take away any disgrace that you may have. Is that a deal? How about we pray? Join me in prayer. Lord God, you are real. And your word is certain about that and we can be certain of this as well. Lord, we want to be more certain that you are real and that you work through ordinary people like Zachariah, Elizabeth, Andrew, Steve, Lauren. We want to believe that, Lord. So we just pray now that if there are doubts, if there are doubts, that you would help us to explore them. If there are doubts, that you would move people to come up and speak to myself or one of the people up the front. Not to tell you cleverly invented stories, names, dates, places and events where God jumped into this world and has done extraordinary things and continues to do so this very day. Lord, open our eyes so we may just see the truth. And we pray this through your name, Jesus. Amen.